0: Welcome to Bovine Banter with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. I'm Daniella Rowland, and I'm a dairy educator based in Franklin County, Pennsylvania. Joining us today is Dr. Claire Stenhouse, a faculty member with the Department of Animal Science here at Penn State University. On today's episode, we will be talking with Dr. Stenhouse about animal reproduction and her research. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Stenhouse. Thank you for having me. So to get us started, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and your position at Penn State?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Claire Stanhouse. I'm originally from a town called Pennycook in Scotland. And I did my undergraduate degree in biology, focusing on reproductive biology at the University of Edinburgh. And it was at that point I really fell in love with reproduction and decided I wanted to get involved in some research. And at that point, I started to work in swine at the Roslyn Institute there at the University of Edinburgh. I continued on at the University of Edinburgh and did a reproductive sciences master's program there, working on human ovaries and and genome editing in chickens. And then I decided to continue on there to do my PhD So my PhD was looking in swine and looking at the role of the uterus and the placenta and how that might affect the development of growth restricted or little runt piglets in the litter and trying to work out when in pregnancy they start to change and vary um, compared to the other litter mates and trying to work out if we could identify time points to develop strategies to help save those runt piglets before they're even born. I then joined the Department of Animal Science at Texas A&M in 2018 and I did a postdoc and then a research scientist position there looking at sheep and swine placental and uterine development and function there. So I recently joined the Penn State faculty in August last year as an assistant professor in reproductive biology and I'm really excited to have joined this team here and develop a strong research program here that's hopefully going to help all of our great producers here in Pennsylvania.
0: Great. Thank you for that. So can you discuss some of your research related to small ruminants? And Great. So
1: Uh, (laughs) a lot of my research uses sheep and swine, and I'm really interested in the processes that allow for the establishment of pregnancy, maintenance of pregnancy, and how the fetus and the placenta develop and in all of our ruminant species most of our pregnancy loss happens very early in pregnancy and while postnatally sheep and cows are very different from each other during pregnancy they're actually very similar to each other so we know that at the very early stage of the embryo it's going to hatch out and then it's going to get very long and filamentous and look a little bit like dental floss and then during that time that's a very similar process for both sheep and cows And then they'll be able to attach onto the uterus and secrete lots of different molecules to signal to the mom that the baby is present so it can establish a pregnancy but also to prime the uterus and make sure that the embryo can attach properly and go on to make a successful placenta and a successful pregnancy so there's lots of signaling that happens there between the uterus and the early embryo and i'm very interested in that process and what the signaling between the mom and the early embryo. And that seems to be a very similar process in both sheep and cattle. So then after the embryo is gonna attach onto the uterus, we have to make a good placenta. And if we don't have a good placenta, we're not gonna have a good fetus. And both sheep and cows have very similar placentas. So it's a really great opportunity for us to use sheep as models for cows um to try and look to see the processes that are involved in developing a placenta and ultimately being able to transport nutrients and generate hormones and lots of different processes like that but as i said a lot of our pregnancy loss happens very early in pregnancy in our ruminant species so being able to understand these processes is really critical um, during that time
0: great that makes a lot of sense and it's interesting to hear the connection there between the the sheep and how that similar to cattle as well. Yeah. yeah. So can you talk about your recent research where you investigated the phosphate, calcium and vitamin D relating to reproduction?
1: Yep. Yep. So one of the main functions of the placenta is to transport nutrients from the mom to the baby. And I'm very interested in that process during pregnancy and how that changes at different points in pregnancy, depending on what the placenta needs and what the fetus needs. And we know that all of these nutrients are very important for the function of the placenta itself, but also for the development of the fetus. Um, So in our bodies, postnatally, um, phosphate, calcium, vitamin D are all really critical for our day-to-day lives and day-to-day functions. And we know that the bone and the kidneys are really important in the regulation of those um, molecules in our bodies. So I'm very interested in looking to see what we can learn from bone and kidney biology and put that in context of pregnancy and see if those processes are present in the placenta to help nutrient transport occur. So in our research, we've been looking in early pregnancy to see how these molecules might be involved in that early pregnancy loss in that early period of pregnancy but also in late pregnancy because we know there's a lot of nutrients have to be transported to the fetus when it's growing exponentially in late pregnancy, but also they need to develop a strong skeleton later on to have a good chance of survival postnatally. So that's why I'm very interested in those molecules. And a lot of the things we've been looking at in the sheep and the pig, we've started to look at in the cow and we're also seeing that these same processes are present. Again, really showing how the sheep and the cow can be very closely linked to to one another during pregnancy.
0: Okay, great. That's interesting to hear. And on the nutrition side, I know it's something that dairy farmers are always striving to, to provide that perfect recipe there for their cattle, especially given that we want to have them keep giving the calf year after year. So do you think there are any research gaps? And if so, what research is needed to help dairy and livestock farmers?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as you were just saying, farmers are having lots of problems in their operations, right? And we're trying to make sure they can keep having calves year after year after year, as you're saying. So one of the major problems in our livestock operations are still reproductive reproductive issues. So whether animals are failing to get pregnant in the first place, or whether they're losing their pregnancies later on, or having stillborn or small offspring. So you know, this is a really critical area that we need to try and improve to maximise productivity for our producers. So to do that, I think we need to make sure we keep doing on farm applied research. But we also need to do more in the laboratory molecular research and put those two parts together to make sure we can actually make a real difference for our producers here. And, you know, I've kind of talked a lot about pregnancy loss being a big thing, but what we really need to do is make sure that we can diagnose pregnancy very early in our different livestock species. So, you know, trying, I think a big research gap is trying to make sure we can diagnose pregnancy even earlier than what we can currently do with palpation, ultrasound, some of our shoot side tests, try and bring those a little earlier so we can maximize the productivity of our livestock operations there. And I think another area that we really need to improve, we've talked a lot about nutrients today, and, you know, trying to understand what that magic recipe is for those producers. You know, we know minerals are one of the most expensive parts of our diets and our mineral supplements. So really trying to make sure that we can maximize the productivity in that type of setting, I think is going to be critical.
0: Great. That's, those are great points there. So what do you enjoy most about your position and being a researcher?
1: So 25% of my appointment is teaching and I really love getting to teach all of our undergraduate and graduate students here at Penn State, you know, trying to get them excited about reproduction and that's just a really fantastic part of my job. Um, On the research side of things, I really love being in an interdisciplinary team. So I think it's really important to bring together people from different aspects of science or not even in science at all in some cases to try and make a very diverse team and a very diverse perspective on some of these questions that we have. So for example, because I work a lot on minerals, I often work a lot with skeletal biologists, so people who work in the bone and the kidney, and they bring a very different perspective onto our reproductive questions, which I think is really important. Um, another aspect I really like of the job is the mentoring side of things. So mentoring the undergraduate and graduate students who are in the lab doing the work every day, or out with the animals every day. I think that's really important and it's really exciting to get them involved in reproductive biology and going on and having successful careers in whatever field they decide to go on to work in.
0: And this question wasn't in here, but if you don't mind me asking then, you mentioned mentors. Do you have mentors that you had in the past um, that helped you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, during my PhD, my mentor was Professor Cheryl, Ash- Cheryl Ashworth. Um, she's a reproductive biologist and she works a lot on amino acids, transporting things in pregnancy and um, specifically in the pig. Um, but she's a very well known reproductive biologist in our field. And then Dr. Baser at Texas A&M. He's been a fantastic mentor to me and a very good friend and colleague.
0: To wrap things up, so what are your top take-home messages about reproductive biology that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: So I think it's a very complex topic, reproductive biology, and I think it affects us all in some way or another. And we know a lot, but I think there's a lot we still need to know to try and make sure we're maximizing reproductive efficiency in our herds. And we know that on-farm reproductive issues are a major limiting factor for our producers. So making sure that our producers are keeping good records, trying to diagnose pregnancy status as early as they can is really important. But also if producers are having issues in their operations, it's really important that they aren't suffering alone and are seeking the advice of veterinarians or extension team staff here at Penn State um, who have a whole wealth of knowledge that could really help with their reproductive issues and their herds.
0: Great points. Thank you for that. Well, thank you very much, Dr.
1: Stenhouse, for taking the time to talk with
0: us today. And thank you to our listeners. If you have any further questions about this topic, please feel free to email me at djr6158 at psu.edu. And be sure to tune in for our next podcast episode on February 27th in our series on reproduction. Dairy educator Cassandra Hauer will be talking with Dr. Camille Hughes, Penn State Department of Animal Science professor. Thank you all for listening.